Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. He played tackle in the NFL for more than a decade. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum for Maximum for Please welcome us from the University of Florida. Tackle, Max Starks. Max Starks is joining us as well. We've got Wolf in Tennessee today for the Cardinals-Titans joint practice. And obviously the Cardinals are going to play the Titans here in just a couple days on Saturday, 4 o'clock kickoff there. But Max is joining us right now. So since you're here, Max, let's uh, first see how you're doing. You know, Luke, I appreciate that. I am doing very well. Thank you for asking. I'm actually back home from training camp, so I, I feel for Wolf having to travel cross country for uh, for joint practices. <laughs> okay, wait a minute, though. Wait a minute. When you say you're back from training camp, are you talking about Latrobe? Oh yes, yes. I, I spent the last three and a half weeks in beautiful Latrobe, Pennsylvania, with your brother. <laughs> but, How did but that go, Max? So listen, let me tell you about it, Wolf. Well, you know, um, your brother, your brother, your brother kind of hosed me a little bit. I'm not gonna. Lie. <laughs> We're getting ready for training camp. About it's got to you know, have something to do with food, Max. Well, no, no, no. It has to do something with uh, seeking comfort and okay. lodging. All right, but then f- food eventually comes into it. <laughs> So I, I'm talking to your brother, like, hey, man, hey, where where do you rent your stuff at for the dorm rooms? Uh, you know, because I want to make sure I put my order in so I can get a bed and a TV and in the dorm because they don't provide they, the only thing they provide you with is like the twin size bed, a dresser, and then a desk. So like that's it. It's like I mean, it's literally like moving into a college dorm freshman freshman year. Right. So he's like, oh, they didn't tell you. I was like, what, what do you mean they didn't tell me, Wolf? I mean, who was going to tell me what? <laughs> Oh, I'm staying at the Spring Hill Suites uh, right off campus. <laughs> See, I worked this deal out, and, you know, maybe you could get the deal, too. Don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll have Faith send it over to you. No, like, it's two days before camp. Like, I can't work a deal in two days. So, so Wolf so Wolf had the comfort of a nice, sweet-style um hotel room for the entirety of the stay. I was in the dorms. I had to smash two twin beds together and put them up on the highest level so the bars didn't mess with my feet. Um... You know, for three and a half weeks. So, yeah, so yeah, and then we did our show every morning from um, the, the the grandstands overlooking the uh, the field for practice. So yeah. So uh, listen, so, I apologize for my brother because I'm with you on that. He hosts you. Just yeah. Stop it. I mean, come I like, you on. You knew this in advance. He's like, I've been doing this for the last couple of years. I was like, I was like, so you couldn't just share that info? <laughs> that feels like that was intentional, oh, Max. Just to, just brutal. to put you through three and a half. It's like weeks a rookie hazing all over. Yeah. It's like rookie hazing all over again. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, all right. Well, we got the the joint practice in for the Cardinals. It was just the one. But uh, Max figured since you're here, let's let's you, you must have experience with joint practice from your days playing in the league, right? So you know what's funny? Every team I went to, we never participated in joint practices. <laughs> no they're like, way. They're, yeah, yeah. So the Steelers um, for my nine years in Pittsburgh never did it. Training camp in San Diego, never did it. St. Louis did not do it. And then, of course, when I was with the Cardinals for training camp, we didn't do it. So I've literally dodged the joint practices uh, um, conundrum. 
Okay, oh. stop and think about it, though, right? I mean, stop and think about yeah. the intensity level. When suddenly it was you against the other guy, and you had your guys standing behind you, watching you work one-on-one against the other guy, and he, they, they were standing behind their guy, and suddenly all the coaches were watching. And, of course, because it's the most physical part of the entire practice, the head coach comes over and starts watching that. It is the most intense thing you could possibly go through in training camp, of course, 10 or 15 years ago. (laughs) I mean, when I look at it, I always took every opportunity in training camp, every rep, as though it's me against that type of person. Like I took a joint practice approach to it because let's face it at this point of the year we're not teammates yet (laughs) we are not a team we are a bunch of applicants applying for a job (laughs) and we're all in line and you're trying to do things to stand out for said job so you know there were no friends i mean obviously you had had no brother-in-law you had no brother-in-law rule whatsoever you only if it was like line up and hose somebody If it was Casey Hampton or Brett Kiesel, you know, when you were established vet, yeah, maybe those guys. But anybody else, absolutely not. You know, I'm like, no, I I got to get mine. And especially if you know the younger guy behind you is starting to starting to nip at the heels like he's starting to get a little bit more reps a little more compliments than you yeah you need to go harder and i think that's so there was no room for the brother-in-law because coaches were looking for reasons in training camp to not keep you on the roster to not keep you at said salary they they were looking for any reason to cut the expense or look for somebody else to come replace you unless you're that irreplaceable guy and i wasn't troy palomalu i wasn't alan fanica and i wasn't ben roethlisberger so i had to keep working my my tail off the entire time Max Stark joining us right now. Uh, Max, okay, so one of the things that, that we were hoping that they may get out of this was getting a chance to see some of the ones out there practice against Tennessee's ones where it's maybe not as full contact as it would be in a preseason game. And part of the reason for that is because the Cardinals really haven't played any of their starters in these preseason games. Where do you come out on that just in terms of your philosophy having been in the league for as long as you were and now a couple of years out of the league getting to see it from a different perspective? Any sort of concern that the Cardinals really haven't played many of their guys that are going to play in week one uh there there's a concern for me and and i'm sure that wolf probably subscribes to this is i want guys to be put under stress before the first game of the season i also want guys to also experience whatever it is for a first game the kinks the bruises the knots and whatever potential soft tissue issues that may come up before week one of the season and you know when i look at it it's almost like doing a disservice to a guy. And I get there's the guys that you want to protect, right? A guy might have got nicked up in practice, but you know he's a, he's a, he's a he's a day one starter. I get those type of precautions, but if a guy's been relatively healthy and you're going through camp, and I know a lot of guys want to say, oh, "Man, the preseason's worthless." But when I tell you well, the one thing I've noticed and getting to watch it at training camp for the first time live in that perspective. Um, there's a lot that goes into that. 
And, and I think guys have to be physically put through that stress. Regardless of how good they are, you've got to go through the stress, at least for a quarter, a couple of series. Because, I mean, if you say, hey, starters are going to play a quarter, and say you only have two possessions, I mean, at least that's better than zero. Because I personally wouldn't want to go back out there if it's me, if I'm a starter. And I, I started last year for this team. I'm starting in this year. I don't want my last reps to be physically that Los Angeles playoff game before I make my next reps uh, live against an opponent. I would rather wash and cleanse that palate before we got to week one just so I can get a feel for it. Because your, your teammates, there's only a certain degree, and especially with the new regulations and rules, there's only so many opportunities you actually get for contact in practice, right? Yeah. You, know, you can do two padded days in a row. You can't do three in a row. God forbid you do three in a row. If you do three in a row, then you have three days off. But you do two days on, one day off, and then, of course, every seven day is a, is, is a mandatory rest. Day. So you don't get those contact moments, those moments to kind of callous your body to get ready for the long haul, which is an 18-week season. And that's where I'm like, I at least want something in there just to know you can mentally prep yourself. And if there is any issues, you do get a little ankle, you do get a bruise or some type of strain, you can take care of it earlier rather than taking care of it and managing it during the season. Yeah, I think there's a lot of guys who don't think like we think, Max. <laughs> I think yeah. there's a lot of guys in the NFL today that don't feel that way. They feel, I'm fine. If I don't play in the preseason, I'm abs- absolutely fine. For me, it's unthinkable. <laughs> it's unthinkable yeah. to actually go into the regular season without taking a live rep in preseason. I, I, I couldn't do it, but that's not the way that it is in a lot of a lot of situations today. Alright, uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, it's looking as though the Cardinals' offensive line is already catching the injury bug a little bit. Just how concerned should we be? Maximum football will continue next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke 98.7 FM Arizona's Sports Station. He played tackle in the NFL for more than a decade. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum Maximum Please welcome us from the University of Florida, tackle Max Starks. Yeah, Max Starks is here. Wolf is here as well, although Wolf is actually in Tennessee. But Tennessee is here. It's all all earth. Uh, Wolf, we were talking about this yesterday with Cody Ford trying to figure out why exactly the Cardinals initially were looking for somebody to play that position. Not really a knock on Cody Ford. In fact, Cody Ford seems to be a pretty uh, exciting addition for the Cardinals, especially considering they didn't have to give much up. But just why they were looking for somebody to play to add offensive line depth in the first place. So Max, while you're here, I just want to get your thoughts on, on what you know about Cody Ford as, as he's now the newest Cardinal. Well, the, the one thing I do know about Cody Ford and watching Buffalo last year, um, he, he, he's, he's strong, he's powerful, and, but, but he had an injury history, right? I mean, I think that's kind of the bugaboo type of thing. But you also know that Justin Pugh, when we brought him in, there was an injury history and an injury risk associated with bringing him in, and that seems to have paid off thus far. Um, so I think it, it, it's a low-risk, um, high-reward type of situation where if you could trade a fifth-rounder for a former second-rounder who, who has start capability and is still young, I mean, heck – 
he was he was Kyle, he was Kyler's uh, teammate in Oklahoma, and they were in the same draft class. So, I mean, he is young, um, comparatively speaking. And if it works out, I mean, a fifth rounder is a drop in the bucket considering what you could possibly get for him. Whether he's a swing interior guy or whether he is going to be um, a starter at one of the guard positions that you know prolong injuries, and he also has the ability to play tackle. So, I mean, I think at this point because it's so tough to find. Versatile offensive linemen, especially this late in the game, as far as recent cuts, and most teams are going to hold most of their offensive linemen if they're worth their salt um, up until the final cuts. And then, of course, now they're playing catch-up and they're truly a backup trying to get acclimated. So I think it was wise for Steve Kime to move ahead Just trade the pick. I mean, they've got a bunch of comp picks anyways, and get it out the way and and try and solidify the depth of your offensive line. Do you like the fact that they brought Cody Ford in knowing that he was a teammate at Oklahoma of Kyler Murray's? Do you like that, Max? Uh... Not personally, but I mean, this is the age of Red Rover. Red Rover send all of his teammates on over. So wait, I'm hoping we don't cut Trey Norwood because he might end up out here too. Um, you know, but I mean, you, it, it is. I mean, I like the fact that you are going all in on Kyler. Right, this is your franchise guy. You paid him to be your franchise guy. But I feel like you're putting all these pillows around. The, you know, around the bed for like your child that, that, that just got converted from a crib. You know, like putting all these pillows around. Okay. If they roll out of the bed, they're safe. I feel like that's what it looks like it's doing from the outside, right? You're putting all of these Oklahoma ties around Kyler to make him feel comfortable to a degree, I guess, to open him up, um, and see him talking with different, uh, position groups. I, I, I don't know, but it is odd that you, that you do have that many teammates. I mean, heck, I'm trying to think of over my career, Wolf. Yeah. Teammates that I physically played with at one time or another, I can't, none. Wow. <laughs> I mean, well, no, one came in for training camp. It was Dallas Baker, um, wide receiver from Florida, but he, he, he was a young guy, um, a freshman, um, going into my junior, senior year. Yeah. And so, so that, but, but he was only here for a cup of coffee. It was only there for a cup of coffee. But other than that, yeah, no, I didn't play with any of my former teammates, really. Um, so, yeah, so that's why it's like weird in the same offseason. You, you've not only brought two guys in and then you re-sign Kyler to this, to this massive extension. And it's just, it's just very, very different. Difference the great word to use. Yeah, and we should point out for anybody that doesn't know, it's not like Max went to Fairfield. Max went to Florida, and they have a <laughs> decent amount of uh, players. Fairfield in the NFL. community. That's right, uh, Max. We were having this uh, this conversation the other day, trying to figure out. You know, you get to Sunday. Let's say the Cardinals are playing the Chiefs tomorrow. Now you have Cody Ford in there. How many offensive linemen are you dressing? Try to think of this as a coach, not an offensive lineman, because you probably have okay. like twenty five of them dressed and ready to play in the game. Uh, every one of them. <laughs> no, but, but as a coach, are you putting seven or eight? Eight guys out there, and I'm assuming Cody Ford's one of those seven or eight guys. Yeah, no, I'm dressing eight uh, for sure. Um, just because, like you said, you got guys coming off of nicks and bruises and injuries and this, that, and the other. And let's face it, we saw it last year. Last year, towards the front half of the season, guys were dropping like flies. So I would rather err on the side of missing one special teams guy and praying that guy stays healthy versus me praying for the offensive line to stay completely healthy, especially when you've had the injury issues with Pugh and with Hernandez thus far. And we also know the history from the past of guys missing 
missing time because of either a rib or an ankle or a knee or a hamstring. It's just one of those things. And especially if you're not playing starters, the prevalence for soft tissue injuries is so much higher at the beginning of the season. That's why they had those guardian caps for the first two weeks because they knew that the impact and the stress on the first two weeks of training camp is greater than in season. But that also is barring that you're actually playing out some of those nerves and emotions and getting your body acclimated in the preseason to game time action. And they're not doing that. So now I, that is my that is my guardian cap is to play the eighth offensive lineman and have him dressed for week one. So, okay, you're, gonna, you're talking about eight for the game that you're going to dress. What about on the roster? How many do you think they'll keep at 10? Is that something you could see well, the Arizona Cardinals doing? I don't know about that. No, I think it'll be eight active and then two practice squad guys. I mean, that that's just usually the modus operandi is you either keep eight or you keep nine offensive linemen, and then you have a practice squad to make sure that you have two full lines. So, But I think with the Cardinals and the way that they've been kind of going as far as training camp and, and the skill positions that you guys possess, I think it's probably going to be like eight offensive linemen and then two practice squad guys for this season, and then you'll just have to dress all eight. And then, of course, if anything happens the next week, you bump up and down uh, those additional linemen. What would you, Max Starks joining us, uh, we, the other part of this, Max, when we were trying to figure out why initially they would even be making the call was, okay, you know, what if Rodney Hudson is is still uh, working his way back from an injury? Or what if they have an injury we don't know about? How much flexibility does Justin Pugh give you? Could you not dress Sean Harlow on game days and just go with Cody Ford and Josh Jones because Pugh could slide over to center if you had to? And it turns out Justin Pugh is actually the one who might be hurt. But uh, where, where is your comfort level with Pew if they had to switch him over to center mid-game for like two quarters or something? I think I think it's more pinch. I would probably dress Sean Harlow um, if you have a concern with Rodney Hudson and you have a week of preparation. It's different if this happens like Friday, right? You get the yeah. injury. Or it happens during the first or second quarter of a game. Then I agree. You, you slide over Pew. But if you have any prior inklings, Six cents, <laughs> foresight. You you read a crystal ball or you shake the magic eight ball. If you have any doubt that you that you make sure that Sean Harlow's able to dress, and then you just have to dress eight offensive linemen. You you still dress your guard and your tackle and Josh Jones and company and Justin Murray, or you know, but you have Sean Harlow dressing as well um, for that contingency plan. If you have a if you have a doubt for Rodney, because I don't think it's right to have a guy start at one position, then you're like, oh, injury, you got to move over. And now it's two places that are now unsettled as opposed to just inserting one guy. That makes it a lot easier for an offensive line and for continuity to replace one guy and keep the other guy in his position. Unless emergency, then you slide him over. But you always want to move the least amount of positions, if possible, to make a full line. Max, only got about 30 seconds here. But Justin Pugh with his pinched nerve. Have you ever had a pinched nerve? I have had a pinched nerve. It is okay, annoying. How bad, it is debilitating. How bad was it? In- and did it keep you out of games? It was in my neck, and it did not keep me out of the games. I had to end up wearing like a dolphin collar um, to reduce the, you know, some of the neck movement to protect that pinch nerve. But uh, it, it is something that, you know, depending on where it's located and how it affects how how it tr- tracks down your body, is is a concern. If it's just localized, then he should be all right with a collar of some sort. But if it starts transmitting like down to your to your hands or your elbow or anything, then that that now puts your quarterback and your offensive line and also the player at risk. 
All right, when we come back, Max Stark's going to stick around. We're going to go around the National Football League. Uh, You know what? We'll get an update from Bill Belichick on uh, who's in charge in New England. We'll start there. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. He played tackle in the NFL for more than a decade. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum for Maximum for Please welcome from the University of Florida, tackle Max Starks. Yeah, Max Starks is here. We're going to go around the National Football League right now. Wolf is kind of here as well. Wolf's in Tennessee, but he's here on the show. And so, uh, guys, I figured we'd start with the Patriots. I haven't heard this quote yet, but it's Bill Belichick speaking, and I feel like he's getting irritated with the questions already, even though it's only August. So uh, he went ahead. You know, there's been all this talk of who's going to be running the offense for New England, who's kind of who's running the show. Belichick clearing things up with this one. There are a lot of people that are involved in, in uh, all three phases of the game. Uh, ultimately, I'm responsible for all of it, so... If you want to ask who's in charge, then it would be me. Because I have the final say in every area. There we go, Wolf. <laughs> Is that not the most Bill Belichick answer you can get? It's just absolutely fantastic right there. I really love it, too. And I think one of the things he's trying to do is make sure that nobody really knows where the play call is coming from. <laughs> right? <laughs> Who's actually calling the plays? He's so myopic and detail-oriented that I honestly think he thinks that maybe you could start charting one individual who is calling place because they are an individual unto themselves that they have their wants they have their needs they have their desires and what they like to do in certain situations this way if you really don't know who's calling the play it becomes a little in, a little bit more ambiguous doesn't it Okay, so you go from that, Max. You've got Belichick there. Then you've got Dan Campbell. This is from Hard Knocks last night. We're going places, man. There's no doubt about it, man. We're going. I, you can already see it. I got a clear vision for where this team's going. But I know this: if we really want to go where we want to go, we got to get all the rest of this out of our stuff, man. All this dirt, everything that's in our that this last bit of losing's got to get out of here. Crushes us. It costs you a game, costs you a season, costs you the playoffs, costs you a championship game, costs you a Super Bowl. Like that's we got to get out, man. When we have a game and we own that game, we finish that game. Dan Campbell is like 100 miles a second. <laughs> For anybody that's either a Lions fan or certainly if you're watching Hard Knocks, Max, this, this dude is just hardcore constantly. Listen, he went, he went, I mean, this is the guy who, who was talking about making sure you bite off guys' kneecaps, you know. Uh-huh. So does it surprise me at all that Dan Campbell would, A, have a potty mouth, and B, let you know what his thoughts are at, every, at any given moment? Ah, not surprised. Color me, not surprised. But also, isn't this the same coach that also had the players go out and work out by themselves while the coaches took off, essentially? Yeah, you know, honestly, Max, here's the whole thing. Did you happen to see what he did, though, when he he said, we got to get all this stuff out? Did you see what he did with the jeans? 
I did not see the jeans part of it. Oh, oh man. Max, Max was in his dorm room. He couldn't be Max, watching. Max, he had like baby yeah, I didn't powder have or something. <laughs> baby powder in the jeans, and they were folded up. And he totally took it in front of the team and unfolded the jeans, snapped them in the air, and it, this powder-like stuff went everywhere. If you were sitting in the front row, you got hosed with it, man. Oh, you I'm got kidding. dusted. Oh, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. He was saying, we got to get all this stuff out. We've got to get it out of us. He was he was he was trying to create a visual max and i have to tell you man you know how this stuff goes it's kind of cool at first but if you keep doing it it gets old you're like i'm a grown man i don't need this this carny act in front of me right now i'm a grown man speak to me like i'm a grown man because all this bluster and this nonsense and these metaphors these visual metaphors that you're using for me i don't need them i don't i'm going to go and play he's treating them like they're almost high school kids very interesting to me and at some point in time that's going to get old no, absolutely. I mean, the parlor tricks are great for people who want to be fooled. But at the same time, th- th- these are professional men, like you said, Wolf. I don't want to be fooled. Just tell me the truth. I don't need to hear right. about kneecaps, dirty jeans, and cleaning them. It, it sounds like chores. Um, and, and everything else that goes, like, it's the theatrics. And I'm like, what does it? what is it about... Detroit and their decisions for head coaches over the years. You get one that gets fined. You get the other one that rides off in a Harley. And now, now the current iteration, Dan Campbell, former player, Dallas Cowboy. I get it. But it's like, come on, guys. Like, can you find somebody who's actually serious about this process? You know, I, I you know, sad to say that when you think about the last time this team was successful and what they had to go through before and during and then after is is just a mind-numbing thing. You wonder why franchises can't get out of their own way. And Detroit, this is one of those shining examples on national television where you're being exposed to, okay, this is what happens. We already got it with Cleveland, right? You saw how that went. Yeah. <laughs> um, everybody jockeying for positions and trying to, trying to kill the king. I mean, it looked like a real-life version of Game of Thrones, right? Everybody's trying to become king and the head coach and jockeying for the head coach position over the current standing head coach and it's just it, it's it's one of those things i just i mean we'll see I, i'm gonna see him on sunday um because that's our last preseason yeah. game is against detroit but yeah i feel bad for l and my boy deuce daily who are on that staff deuce, max deuce is, is just like the star of the show honestly max like we're, we're trying to get yeah. wolf to watch one episode of hard knocks because i want to hear more of this stuff like some of the stuff that 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 Dan Campbell says, I think, would resonate with Wolf. But the other thing, Wolf, is I do wonder at some point, like, is he just going to burn everybody out? Because yes. everybody on that coaching staff yes. is like they are living and dying with each play in a preseason game against the Colts. Exactly, and this is not a good enough team where they're they're ever going to pay that off this season. You know, no, that that's what I'm talking about, man. I, I love Dan Campbell. I love what he says and agree with a lot of what he says. Yet at the same time, if he keeps that same kind of intensity. Like, if he thinks it's about him, it's about him getting his guys ready to play and, and getting his guys to adopt his mentality, it's not going to happen. 
It, it isn't. You have to bring guys in that have that mentality, just like you do, Dan Campbell. You have to bring guys in like that. Now, I'm not saying he can't on a short-term basis impact guys. He can. But on a long-term, it becomes old, and it becomes old quickly, and it burns guys out. I speak to me like a man, Coach. Don't speak to me like, like I'm seven. You, you can't do it. Now, Max, I have to ask you this, though. I wanted to get your take on Bill Belichick and what he said right there. Because what is your take in that? He, he's He's been so ambiguous about who is making the calls, who's actually calling the plays. He's been really just a a, a dark point of information when it comes to that. What is your take on that? What do you think he's doing? I mean, I think it's all—it's kind of a way that Bill likes to keep everything anonymous, right? He doesn't want yes. to share anything at any point and give away any perceived advantage to an opponent. So he doesn't want you to know if, if, whoever's going to be calling the plays. I mean, at this point, I, I, I have no clue. His son might be calling plays. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Right. Um, because, because of what you have with Matt Patricia, who's by trade a defensive coordinator. I get former offensive player at some point in his career. And, you know, obviously his failed genius in Detroit was a testament to that. But, you know, it's just it's interesting to me how they're playing it. But I get it. Your team doesn't look good right now, and you are at a quandary. You did not expect Josh McDaniels to take that job in Las Vegas, and now you're kind of reeling trying to figure out what can we do to kind of stem that tide till he can really have a good chance to find a guy. So that's where it, it's, it's tough. I mean, but the Patriots at the end of the day, they're always going to be good because Belichick, like you said, has the final say. He has a final control over decisions for this team. So I don't look at it as being a bad thing. It's just it's it's, it's that confusing thing that happens with Bill Belichick. Yeah, yeah, it's just him. All right, we come back two and a half weeks away from the Cardinals opener. What are they missing most, and when is Marcus Golden getting paid? Maximum Football continues next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke, ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona's Sports Station. He played tackle in the NFL for more than a decade. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum Football. Please welcome from the University of Florida. Max Starks is joining us right now. Maximum football. It means it's football season. Max Starks is here. Wolf is in Tennessee for the uh, joint practice today between the Cardinals and the Titans. And Wolf, some of the video from that practice is starting to trickle out. Cardinals just tweeted out a, uh, a video of DeAndre Hopkins. I think I think that it looks like it was Christian Fuller that he was or Christian Fulton rather that he was just burning on the uh, in the corner of the field to to make one of those catches you were talking about at the start of the show. You don't get Hopkins still mid-season, but the good news is he at least looks like he's in mid-season form. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, man. Watching him in one-on-one, he put on a clinic. I have to tell you, it was so cool to see it. Running fades down the sideline, of course. The ball was thrown up by Kyler Murray. It was a 50-50 ball, and suddenly you see him just stab the ball out of the air. A back shoulder fade, stab the ball out of the air, touchdown, um, and then he made this one-handed catch that... (laughs) 
<laughs> Only DeAndre Hopkins, man, would be able to make. They threw the ball up. It was a touchdown once again, and he just reached up with one hand and grabbed it. The DB was holding his other hand. He grabbed it and pulled it down for a one-handed touchdown. Um, the guy, the guy is incredible. Those fifty-fifty balls? No, it ain't fifty-fifty. It's eighty-twenty. <laughs> uh, Max, when you look at this team, to me, they have really put most of their resources into their offense. Not that they have just, you know, said whatever happens with the defense, it happens. But money-wise, I believe they are still 32nd in the NFL in terms of spending on defense. And yet, on the other hand, they have really stacked the offense around Kyler Murray. In your experience, I know you were an offensive guy, but in your experience, how far can you go if you do end up being kind of lopsided when the season actually starts? Uh, I mean, I look at it, and it's one of those things where your your defense has to be very efficient, you know, because this is one of those cases where you're planning on outscoring your opponents, uh, meaning you want the ball last in the game to make sure that you ensure victory. And I, in my history, I mean, there have been some great teams that are just offensive juggernauts that you can't beat, but I, I just I haven't seen it in the last what, 20 years or so? I haven't really seen an off. What would you call the Kansas dominant. City Chiefs, though, Max? What would you call the Chiefs? They were, you know, I, I I thought they had a very average defense, and I thought their defense was built around their offense. In other words, they knew they were going to score so many points offensively, they spent all their money on a pass rush, <laughs> you know, in a defense yeah. that could defend the pass. Um, I thought there were pretty much average though defensively and I thought it was always their offense that made the Chiefs to the Chiefs. How do you feel about that? I mean I, I, I do agree. I agree, but I think they also excelled, like you said, at pass rush. Um, I can't say the same here for the Cardinals as of yet. Um until you, until otherwise noted because if you were focusing on pass rush and just bolstering your offense the entire time, you would have kept Chandler Jones. Yeah. Um so, but, and that piece is kind of missing. You're still trying to find that right committee fix to replace all of that lost production that Chandler Jones provided. So, if that was the case, I would concede it as such. But, you know, you have to be good at one area of that defense to be able to combat fast scoring because you don't want the other team scoring as fast as you are. And that's what Kansas City realized. And we also know Kansas City's had a lot of success, but it's one Super Bowl victory. And that Super Bowl team that they had when they won, they got the right team to go up against in San Francisco. And then B, you know, the defense was pass rush oriented for a team that was trying to pass with Jimmy G, didn't work. And then you saw how low scoring that game was, even with the fast-paced offense. So they kind of counteracted each other. And then Patrick Mahomes kicks in at the end. But that's not that's an aberration. That's not the normal. And you see how hard it's been for Kansas City since. Even with all those electric weapons, they still are struggling to make sure that they can yeah. still find that lightning in a bottle. So that's where I find it very tough to say yes, because that was a one-time thing in the last, what, 20 years of Super Bowls. I can't say that I've seen one where it's been so offensive heavy. If anything, it's been defensive heavy that's won you a championship, and especially my, my, my Super Bowl in 40. The Baltimore Ravens, when they won theirs the first time, second time they're a little Dilford. bit more balanced. Yeah, exactly. Trent Dilfer's a Super Bowl champion, ladies and gentlemen, in case you were wondering. But 
that that that's how I see it. So it's tough to see offensive heavy passing and and electric specialty weapons being the difference maker to take you all the way to a Super Bowl. Well, Max, on the defensive side of things, you mentioned the pass rush, and, I, and I've kind of come around that I, I'm going to I'm going to hold back judgment on the pass rush until I see how guys like Victor Dimukeji and MyJ Sanders evolve and and how Vance Joseph's able to use them. I'm more concerned about the corners, to be honest, but. Marcus Golden, you know, he's going to be the center of your pass rush. He hasn't practiced in over three weeks now. His, his The timing may be random. That, that August 1st is when he tweeted out underpaid, unappreciated, and undervalued, but I'm still working. And then since then, we haven't seen him on the practice field. It doesn't seem like it would take that much to just kind of pay him a little bit more for what he's done. And I don't know if that would get him back on the field or not, but it, it certainly wouldn't hurt. Where do you come out on the Marcus Golden situation? I mean... So I sat through a hold-in in Pittsburgh with Deontay Johnson, right, for a wide receiver. Yep. Um, and, I mean, I agree you're at the building. You're physically present. You're there to be a part of the team but still not interacting with the team. Uh, but the, the crying of Wolf um, is just, and no pun intended, Wolf. Um, <laughs> that should be you a know, segment on the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> exactly. Um but it, it's it's played out to me. I mean, I'm, I'm tired of seeing a player hold in or hold a team hostage because they feel like they deserve more. You signed a contract. Yep. The contract is there. It's 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 in plain right. And I'm all for players getting their money when it's time to get that money. But when you're trying to renegotiate or you feel like you're underpaid, you're, you're letting the world know you're underpaid and underappreciated, go talk to the head coach and the GM about it. I don't want to hear about it when you know when I'm reading my morning debriefs, right? I don't want to hear about you complaining about the whatever millions it is is not the millions that you wanted. It's go out and play and let your production speak for it to where it's undeniable that you deserve this. That's that, that, but that's just my point, and that's just my feelings. I'm sure everybody feels differently, just like how I feel about two a days and guys actually going to the ground and practice before the first time you hit the ground as a game. So I digress on that point, but still, it's just it. It's played out to me. No, I'm with you on that, Max, 100%. Talk to me a little bit about team needs. As you look at the Arizona Cardinals right now, what do you hope to see them develop, whether it's an attitude, whether it's offensively or defensively, a scheme they're running, whatever it is, what is it that you think this team needs going forward? I think it's that defensive identity, Wolf. I think we've kind of been talking about this the last couple of years about a tough, undeniable defensive mindset that run defense has got to be an emphasis for the squad. It has to be because it's been a deficiency for so long. And there's always an excuse about why certain guys can't do what they can do. You have a draft every year. You have free agency to get those pieces in place. You chose to go different directions each and every time. We've got yep. different reasoning, and it gets incrementally better. But what really takes this team above the top? You already had enough offensive weapons. You know. Now, I will say, hey, a little bit more depth at the offensive line last year, but it didn't hurt you so bad because you had the rash of injuries. But run defense has been one of the things that's always crippled this team, especially the second half of the season yeah. when teams – Everybody's tired and everybody's figured out the the Cardinals have not kind of evolved the game in the second half of the season. And then because of that, teams run roughshod through them 
And then offensively, they get stalled, they get stymied, or they get blitzed to all all get out. And then you're wondering, well, why can't we do this? Why can't we control this? Because you're not a ball-controlling offense. You're a ball-scoring offense. So things have to work on timing rhythms. Well, guess what? If you're going to be a ball-scoring offense, that means you're not going to have time of possession. And what's the other team going to do, knowing that your team is going to keep the defense out there? They're going to run the ball in them to possess time. So you need a defense that says, no, I don't want to be out here. I want to be three and out. I want to be four and out. And I don't want to stay on the field for over 30 minutes every game. That's the type of mentality. So if there's one thing I want them to do is shore up the run defense. Max, great stuff as always, man. We always appreciate the time. We'll talk to you again soon, all right? All right, sounds good. You guys take care. And by the way, Wolf, your brother Craig says he loves you. (laughs) You tell Craig I love him too, Max. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it, man. Your brother Craig as he stays in a mansion for training camp and Max has to sleep in a tiny dorm room. (laughs) I cannot wait to rip him for that. Uh, text jersey to 62620 right now for your chance to win the brand new Phoenix Suns Nike Classic Edition jersey celebrating the 30th anniversary of that 92-93 Suns team that met the Bulls in the finals. That's jersey to 62620. Speaking of the Suns, can they recapture what they had last year after such a strange offseason? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.